Welcome to the Cybertraps Podcast. I'm Jethro Jones coming to you from Washington, founder of the Bee Podcast Network and author of the books School X and How to Be a Transformative Principal. I'm a former principal at all levels of K-12 education. Greetings, everyone. I'm Frederick Lane, an author, attorney, and educational consultant based in Brooklyn, New York. I'm the author of 10 books, including most recently Cybertraps for Educators 2.0, Raising Cyberethical Kids, and Cybertraps for Expecting Moms and Dads. Jethro and I have teamed up to bring timely, entertaining, and useful information to teachers, parents, and others about the risks arising from the use and the misuse of digital devices. Over the coming weeks and months, we'll be talking to some of the world's leading experts from the fields of education, parenting, sociology, and cyber safety. Join us as we look at what it takes to better navigate our increasingly high-tech world. For more information or to donate to our work, please visit centerforcyberethics.org. The Cybertraps podcast is a production of the Center for Cyberethics, a 501c3 independent nonpartisan educational institute dedicated to the study and promotion of cyberethics as a positive social force through research, curricular development, publishing and media, professional training, and public advocacy. Greetings there, Jethro. Well, hello, Fred. So good to see you. <laughs> you too. I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend and the run-up to that as well. Yes, absolutely. Uh, football started, college football, so all is right with the world again. <laughs> well, for me, we're heading into the baseball playoffs, so same idea, different sport. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> To each his or her own. That is correct. Indeed. So I am curious, what is your college football team of choice? Uh, naturally, it is my alma mater, Brigham Young University. And they had a great first game, and we'll see how the second game goes, which by the time people hear this will be over. And you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We're playing Baylor this weekend, and they're, uh, they're pretty good. They, they they're always game. good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you Division One or Division Two? Division One. Oh, okay. See, I went to a Division three school, so this is all gibberish for me. <laughs> so, There's, there are Division three schools? Oh, there certainly are. They've got 2,500 <laughs> students, Jethro. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, well, putting that aside, I, I occasionally will tune into college football when my law school alma mater, Boston College, does something interesting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, whatever. Just not a huge football guy. But in any case, it is totally appropriate for us to be talking about sports and so forth, because today's focus is on kids. And specifically, it's on an aspect of online protection for kids that you and I have talked about in the past on a related topic, the Child Online Privacy Protection Act and how that plays out at the national level. And for the purposes of our conversation today, we're going to be taking a look at a new piece of legislation that is on the verge of being signed in California. So on August 29th, the California Senate unanimously passed what's called the Age Appropriate Design Act. And it um, is a bill that's had incredibly strong support. The State Assembly of California earlier in the summer also approved it unanimously, which, as you know, in this day and age, doesn't happen very often. For Wait, unanimous about anything? That's crazy. 
it's insane. I mean, how hippy dippy is that of California? <laughs> to <do? laughs> so anyway, this piece of legislation is now sitting on the desk of Governor Gavin Newsom. And the you know reasonable expectation is that he will sign it, but we'll get into some of the implications of the bill and how it might play out in some of the broader national issues. But I thought what would be useful for people is to be aware of the steps that California is taking to protect child privacy online and what effect that might have on tech companies and businesses not just in California, obviously, but around the country. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I think is really interesting because um, it is, it's something that we know is an issue uh, that kids are using things that may not have been designed for them or maybe were designed for them. We're not totally sure, but I kind of lean towards it was designed for them. And some kids have become addicted to it. Some kids have um, been engaged in really negative, uh, harmful things that that cause great detriments to their to their mental well-being and possibly even to their health as well. Um, and so this should make it so that there can be consequences for that. Whereas right now, you know, if some kids on TikTok are eating Tide Pods, then there's pretty much nothing anybody can do to prevent that from continuing to happen. Well, TikTok is in our show queue for another bashing of the Chinese company that has so totally consumed our children um, because there are a lot of very serious issues. I mean, Tide Pods is merely one of them. Um, every week, it seems, Jethro, and I, I think of you as a, as a kind of hands-on parent quite often because you know, your kids are really in that target age for all of these challenges, these dares, you know, that kind of thing. And, and it must be a concern for you. Well, it certainly is. And uh, my daughter just barely got um, a phone for her to be able to use and take out of the house. And I got to say, we it was a little bit scary giving it to her. And one of the rules that we put in place is that she's not allowed to have any social media apps on there. And ah. she can do text messages or um, Google chat are the, the only things because we at least have an idea of who she's communicating with and what she's right. involved right. in. But let me tell you, now that it's not sitting in the house all day long, it's quite a bit harder to to manage and govern and know what she's doing on there. So um, do you um, just before we get into the specifics of what businesses are doing, I think this is a great lead in because all of this at some level, Jethro, I think, is a partnership between government or among government and businesses and parents in terms of protecting children. So I guess one of the immediate questions I would have is, um, is there a standard time that you set to review how she's been using the phone? Is that just a regular practice or is it more catch as catch can? Uh, no, that is a, a regular, but not like scheduled thing. Mm -hmm. So I review all of the, you know, we, we let our kids have old devices so that they can practice text messaging with each other, with um, aunts and uncles, with cousins, as you know, we, we expand their circle. And so right. I regularly go in and check 
their messages and see what's going on. I look at what apps they have installed and different things like that, which uh, here's another interesting thing. Um, one of the recent developments on the iOS platform is that you can uh, put different pictures on your uh, different icons and then uh, make them open different apps. So, you know, you could have a picture of a puppy dog as your photos app instead of the other thing using shortcuts. Oh. And so oh, to huh. me, the first thing I think is I can install apps I don't want my parents to see and then put something really innocuous as the album or the cover art for it. And then uh, that way I can do whatever I want. And it's interesting because the idea is for that to be make it more accessible, make it easier, make it more personalized. And, uh, you know, being the <laughs> the kind of person that I am, <laughs> I immediately think of the ways that I can uh, go against the rules that are set in place for me because that's what I do. Well, and that's really our job, right? Yeah, <laughs> so right. exactly how things are going to be misused and help people understand that. So let's let's shift back to California. And let's take a look at whether or not this is a hopefully helpful initiative by the California legislature to make the job of parents a little easier. Yeah. And, and to be clear, this is not California's original idea. It's modeled after the United Kingdom's age-appropriate design code as well, which end, went into effect a year ago. And so this is the first time it's happening in the United States. And this is also... Uh, happening in the state of California where so many of these social media companies and other technology companies start, which I think is significant as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And we should be clear that this is the first uh, design act at the state level. Um, we do have something similar. And I was checking back through our show notes, Jethro, it was almost exactly a year ago in September, September 20th, 2021, that you and I did talk about the Child Online Privacy Protection Act. And there's some relationship between what California is trying to do and what the federal government did with that piece of legislation. But I think that this is relatively innovative in terms of number one, being a more current piece of legislation. You know, one of the challenges with legislating in this area, of course, is that technology moves so quickly that oftentimes laws get outdated simply because of the march of technology. I mean, one of the things I really want to talk with you about is this idea of quote unquote dark patterns, which honestly I hadn't run across yet. And I was a little bit startled by that, I guess, because I spend so much time in this space, but what a nefarious way to design websites. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but before we get too, too much farther into this, I do want to give a shout out to the California law firm Aiken, Gump, Strauss, Hauer, and Feld, LLP. <laughs> they have an absolutely terrific explanation of this new age-appropriate design act. They absolutely should get credit for making this so understandable. Their article is in our standard resource section, so be sure to check it out. Obviously, if you're a business that might be targeting kids, it might be worth talking to them, or at yeah. least somebody uh, who does similar work. So, Anyway, yeah, with that those, being said, hold on. Those resources are at cybertraps.com or newsletter.cybertraps.com. Go there. Perfect. Get all that. Make sure you you know where you're going. Excellent. Yeah. And there's a couple of links, by the way, to similar information resources about the UK Act, 
obviously not directly relevant to the bulk of our listeners, but still, I think useful to see the ways in which different governments are really beginning to push for greater privacy protections for kids. Yeah. So let's go over a couple of the things uh, about the bill that I think are important. Um, so reading from the summary, it'll be the f- uh, first piece of U.S. legislation that imposes a number of novel restrictions and data protection obligations on businesses providing services to users under the age of 18, including requirements to conduct a data protection impact assessment before any new services are offered, configure all default privacy settings to a high level of privacy, unless there are compelling reasons to suggest is otherwise in the best interests of the children. And three, provide an obvious signal to the child when they are being monitored or tracked by their parent, guardian, or another consumer. Um, and this, these three things, uh, data protection impact assessment, privacy settings to hi- default to high, and uh, a signal to the child when they are being monitored, um, I think those are steps in the right direction for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. And particularly the last one. I know that you and I have discussed this in the past, but when I first did uh, Cyber Traps for the Young back in 2010, I was really, I think, quite upfront about the idea that I think hidden surveillance is a breach of parent-child trust. It makes it very hard for children to, I think, uh, accept the supervision that is needed Number one, if they discover it's been secretly done. And then secondly, they don't know for how long or what kinds of information is being collected or so forth. And as we talked about in um, raising cyber ethical kids, having that conversation with kids about what kind of supervision is needed is part of the educational process. And to the extent that we're going to impose a similar requirement, California is going to impose a similar requirement on businesses so kids are not being surreptitiously surveilled, I think is a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. That is important. And by at, at least by doing that, that sets them up in the future to demand to be um, notified when they're being surveilled um, in other areas as well. And, <laughs> and that is good also. That is a whole couple of shows right there <laughs> in terms of government yeah. surveillance. Indeed. Okay. Um, so let's, let's talk about what the bill prohibits businesses from doing. Um, yes. Profiling a child by default, unless certain criteria are satisfied using personal information of any child in a way that is materially detrimental to their well-being, and using dark patterns to lead or encourage children to provide personal information beyond what is reasonably expected. Again, these are good guardrails to have up. I like that. That's a good place to start. Um, but let's talk a little bit about this idea of dark patterns because I haven't referred to, I haven't heard it referred to as dark patterns before, but it's been one of my pet peeves for years. Well, and it sounds like you've got a little bit more knowledge on this. So, so dig in a little bit. What, what, what is that? What, what are dark patterns? Yeah. So dark patterns are uh, design choices that trick a user into performing some unintended behavior. And so a good example of this is that if a kid is playing a game, then the, then the pop-up pops up to do an in-app purchase. And this is something we've talked about a dozen times. And so the kid not knowing what they're doing and thinking they're just trying to get rid of this thing are clicking the green buy button 
thinking that that will get this out of there when really it's the red not interested button that they need to push. Um, and so it, it, something like that where green means go forward, like green is something in our culture that we understand means, yes, I want this, and red is often signified as stop or don't want this. And so that is a way to design it with that color pattern or with that uh, that other way of emphasizing you should do this thing and making it more difficult for people to understand that this is what it's going to lead to. And so another thing that happens with this often is that um, uh, ads on SEO optimized websites where if you look up a question of how do I fix this part in my sink, then yeah. the the results are not actually helpful they are SEO optimized results to make it so that they get at the top of the search results and that people click into them. And then there are often uh, ads in there that you click that you think are not actually ads and it can be quite deceptive. And it's something that has bothered me for a very long time that I just cannot stand when I'm using the internet. Things that are not clearly marked of what they are. These little uh, cookie pop-ups as well, they just drive me bonkers. Like. The idea is that it's supposed to be beneficial, right? but instead of it being easy for someone to understand, it says you basically have to accept these or else it, this site's not going to work correctly. And that's not the truth uh, for the user. It may be the truth for the, for the business, <laughs> but it's not the truth for the user. So things that are not clear, that don't help you know what you're really trying to do, those are, are quite frustrating. Yeah, no, that, that I think is a great summation. And actually, um, while you were explaining that to me, I came across a good article in the New York Times that I'm throwing into the uh, resources as we speak, in oh, which there's, I know, it's amazing, isn't it? In which there's a great explanation of how these things work. And this article actually reminds me that some of the worst offenders when it comes to these kind of manipulative behaviors are politicians because what they will do is they will set up these websites where you think you're making a one-time donation but in reality because of the way the site is constructed you're actually making you know ongoing monthly or annual donations that just suck your bank account oh, and you know this awful. is it really is. And and it's so much easier to do that. Well, not easier necessarily, because oftentimes the elderly and the, you know, cognitively challenged are victims of this. But kids, you know, and this is what California is going after is that, as you correctly point out, kids just want to play, right? They're in the mm -hmm. zone. They're trying to move through whatever their particular game is. And with just a little bit of tweaking, you can literally make it look like progress is only through purchase. And, yeah. and so you wind up with parents with these outrageous bills. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. So I I think that doing something to prevent that and and to have a mechanism whereby you can do something about it. Like right now, yeah. like I'm just out of luck if I don't like that. And there's there's nobody to complain to, there's nobody to say you know, help me f figure this out or solve it. It is, it is all up to the will of, of each and every web designer and game developer and whatever the case may be. And that, um, for adults, I can handle that. When kids yeah. are yeah. 
are the ones who are being targeted, that's where I really have a problem because they, I can choose to not use that. And a kid can choose that too, but it's a little bit harder for them to uh, have the uh, maturity to make that decision. Absolutely. And, and of course, their, their motivations, their level of experience, their training is so much less you know, yeah. than most adults. So it, it's, it is a good first step. I will be curious to see whether or not it spills over in some ways to how these companies treat adults. And, you know, one of the things that I saw just glancing through that New York Times article real quickly is that this issue is starting to get some attention at the federal level. The Federal Trade Commission is looking into this a little bit. There are some legislative proposals that would uh, try to rein this in. Um, but, you know, we'll see how things work in California, right? I mean, this is one of the things about having this legislation go through such a huge state. I mean, what is it? The economy of California is the fifth largest in the world or something like that. So yeah. when they set standards for web design, that's a significant step. It is. And for them to be in a uh, to be a state that's leading the charge on this, that is in my mind, that is a good thing um, to to get away with um, to get away from uh, tricky or deceptive patterns online. And I, I think that overall, that's a good thing and and something yeah, that I, we definitely want more of. That's, couldn't agree with you more there. Before we move on, let's hear from our sponsors. I think it's always interesting when you have presentations or when you have legislation like this, Jethro, to take a look at, at what choices the legislature made in terms of enforcement mechanisms, right? Because, you know, a state legislature can pass all the lovely sounding legislation at once, but if there's not some mechanism for enforcement, then you're going to have a really hard time getting any benefit out of it. Mm -hmm. So here, what they're doing basically is, I think, again, similar to the Child Online Privacy Protection Act in that they are saying that if a business is negligent in terms of how it handles the personal and private information of kids, then they can be penalized in civil court. So it's not a criminal prosecution, but basically more like uh, litigation. They can be fined up to $2,500 per kid per violation. So that could be conceivably a very big number. And then if the court or a jury finds that they did so intentionally, then the penalty gets bumped up to $7,500 per kid per incident. Now, what's interesting is that California, which we all think of as being fairly litigation happy, uh, chose to not include a private right of action in this legislation. What, which what means, does that mean? Yeah. So, so basically what that means is that the only person who can enforce this law against a company for privacy violations is the attorney general or the assistant attorneys general in California. So it has to be a state action. Put another way, if you were living in California and you were really upset about how information about your daughter was being collected by you know company XYZ, you could not sue company XYZ under this act because mm -hmm. the act does not create any authority or any justification for you to do so. Yeah, so it's something that the 
the state attorney general has to be the one to yes. make a choice on that. Right. And there's a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of ways that they're going to go about doing that. For starters, um, they'll undoubtedly be uh, a department or a section of the attorney general's office that will concentrate on this. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that the bill requires is the creation of a California Children's Data Protection Working Group, which will be a combination of privacy experts and attorneys and so forth, looking at the best ways to implement this law and make sure that it's enforced. So that'll be a separate body, but undoubtedly they'll be advising the Attorney General on how to move forward on these different issues. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think, a good compromise. One of the things you worry about is um, obviously nuisance lawsuits or people trying to set businesses up to, you know, harvest this money from them. So mm-hmm. having it go to the state for presumably education, better enforcement and so forth is, is probably a, a good approach to this particular issue. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I I think that taking it out of individuals' hands um, does alleviate some problems, uh, but adds to the bottleneck of a bureaucratic institution that fair point you yeah. know is is definitely yeah. gonna. <laughs> it, it's Bu- basically bureaucracy. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's basically gonna take you know a a very public, high profile situation for them to do anything. So if you you know, if if you're not a a big company that's that's affecting a lot of people, it's probably not going to have much of an impact on you, I would imagine. Do you do you think that that's not true? What do you think about that? Well, you know, yeah, I think that you know, as you know from your work in the schools, you your prioritization right is is based in large part upon impact, right? When you're allocating resources, what's going to get you the most return, you know, for the time and effort you put in? So, you know, is um, is the California Attorney General going to be looking very closely at like a Facebook or a TikTok or an Instagram in terms of how they handle children's information? Absolutely, because as you correctly point out, if they bring a suit under the age appropriate design code act and land some significant judgment or get a a consent agreement from the defendant that they will change their practices that makes a huge difference and it's very illustrative to the rest of the industry so you don't necessarily have to go after these app manufacturers who might have ten thousand kids playing their games but if they see that Facebook, which has, you know, X millions of kids, yeah. <laughs> you know, being threatened with a multi-billion dollar lawsuit, they're going to pay attention to that, you know, because you don't want the attorney general at some point to work his way down the feeding tube and get to you. So yeah. we will, um, we'll see how it plays out again. Let's remember, and this is a kind of a great point to wrap up on that, you know, this is still sitting on the governor's desk and it, even though most people think it is unlikely, there's at least a possibility that Gavin Newsom would choose not to sign it. I mean, one of the things, and actually, if, if people go to the resource section, uh, there's a link to a YouTube video of an episode of, I can't believe they actually named their, their show this, but twit.tv. 
which <laughs> which has been around for a long time. It's, I, it it was, stands for this week in tech. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that's a really unfortunate acronym, <laughs> but that's I guess not my call to make. But um, I know I, I've been interviewed by Leo Laporte, you know, and I know Jeff Jarvis a little bit. You know, fairly conservative commentator. Uh, they have, uh, shall we say, uncomplimentary things to say about the act that California has passed. So for a differing point of view, yeah. uh, be sure to check that out. Because, you know, look, anything like this is, number one, more bureaucracy. I think that was the word you used. And yes. yep. <laughs> num number two is um, increased regulation, which, you know, if you're a hardcore capitalist, you just see that as friction, right? And friction produces heat. It slows things down. You know, generally speaking, it's not viewed as a good thing. The problem is, as, as you and I have been talking about for what, almost two years, we have real and substantial issues that our kids are facing. And yes. it's going to take a while to figure out how to balance the legitimate interests of business in terms of innovation and moving forward and our parental slash social duty to protect kids. Yeah, exactly. And I, I am very much in favor of capitalism and think that it is wonderful and it's how we will solve most of our problems. However, sometimes we need to step in and provide some guidance and support so that people are making better choices and yes. letting <laughs> letting people run rampant with our kids attention and information is is a problem and definitely we need to do something to protect them so that they can live their lives uh without all of that in there well jethro since unintentionally we seem to have begun to set up uh, privacy September for, yeah. <laughs> for our shows. I will pencil into our show queue a uh, catch-up on both the UK and the California Design Code Acts. And you know we'll do a one-year temperature test, or in the case of the UK, a two-year temperature test, and see how these things are playing out. You know, and part of it, of course, is that we're going to need to do some research. And I know a lot of other people will do will be doing actual quantitative uh, analysis. Mm -hmm. But we're going to have to be doing some general research on the broader effects that we're trying to address in terms of kids' app addiction, software addiction. Um, you know, physical and mental well-being, all of these things. Um, so it's a complicated area, but hopefully we'll begin to see some reporting that suggests whether or not this was the right direction for California and other states to move in. Yeah, yeah. And Leo should have you on the program talking about it too. What's he doing? Come on, Leo. I will reach out to Leo Laporte, though, and tell him that you and I have been talking about this. We would be great guests, and he should have us on. I'll second that. I'll All second right. that. That's fantastic. All righty, Jethro, anything else to add on our buddies in California? Um, you know, I just want to say one thing that I don't think that we highlighted clearly, which is in the event of a conflict between the business's commercial interests and the best interests of the children, the privacy and well-being of children must be prioritized. That is why I think it got to be uh, unanimous, unanimously passed in the assembly and in the Senate, because that 
that puts the well-being of our kids first, which is what we should do. I think that's a really good point to close on. I mean, all of the um, businesses um, undoubtedly have parents working for them. And you would mm -hmm. think that they would be motivated to try to make their products um, as safe for children and helpful for parents as they can. Yeah. And I understand, you know, when you look at something like Meta, for instance, which is so gargantuan, that those kind of implementation decisions are being made way above the pay grade of most people working there. So I get mm -hmm. how hard that is. But certainly if you're in a startup and you're trying to roll out some new app that you think is the best thing since sliced you know, cheese for kids, think carefully about what you bring to the design from the ground up. That's, that's yeah. such a huge thing. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, that's our, that's our sermon for today, Jethro. <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately, um, hallelujah, that wraps up this episode of the Cybertraps podcast. In the coming weeks, we'll continue our coverage of emerging trends in a variety of areas, including digital misconduct, cyber safety, cybersecurity, privacy, and the challenges of high-tech parenting. Along the way, we'll talk to our growing collection of international experts for helping us to understand the risks and the rewards of digital technology. You can find the Cybertraps podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. We hope that you'll share the show with your friends and colleagues and reach out to us if you have guest questions or topic suggestions. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Jethro Jones and Fred is at Cybertraps. And if you're still listening, you must have loved this show. Please leave us a five-star rating and review, and we appreciate having you with us and look forward to having you join us on our next episode.